Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Darren, what are we going to discuss today? Well, Darren couldn't be here today, but I will be standing in. David's and Bonnie, you knew I was going to be here. Yeah, I was surprised because, you know, you actually have more hair. Um, bigger boobs. <laughs> yeah, big, big, bigger boobs, more, more hair, um, younger um, but but folks, yeah, Darren is going to be taking us uh, hopefully brief hiatus as he's dealing with some personal health issues. So Anne has graciously agreed to not just sit in as she did on our last podcast or the one before that. I can't remember now which one it was, um, but she'll be she'll be with us for a little while. So Anne, happy to be we, here. Yeah, happy to have you. As you know, uh, hopefully hopefully we don't get too much laughter in. We actually get something meaningful out there today. I'm sure I'm sure we'll come up with something intelligent. Yeah, the problem is I forgot my depends. So, you know, uh, if you got me uh, needing to go, we're going to go. Pitch me those <laughs> you pitch me those softballs. I'm going to hit them right out of the park, Dave. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, I think since you bring up depends and you're delegating the bathroom responsibilities to a product, let's talk about delegation. <laughs> I was wondering how you were going to work that in there. You know, you are a master at this. So, I, so I, I always like to ask Darren when he comes up with these topics, what is the issue that people have with delegation as it relates to influence and persuasion? There's so many reasons why delegation is uncomfortable for people, and it, it depends on the person. Some people, most people have a death grip on control, and they like to do things themselves. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think the other issue is um, mindset, the way people come at mm. delegation, meaning yep. people think, oh, de- I'll delegate and I'll have a little mini me. Mm. Yep. Right. Yep. And, and they'll and do it my way. And they'll do it my way. <laughs> right. Exactly. Which goes to your control piece. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I talk about this in my book. Delegation is actually a fantastic way to build esteem, which is essential if you want somebody to become self-actualized mm-hmm. and from a leadership perspective, it also is, is, is an amazing way to find out if somebody is ready where they're weak, where they're strong. And, and then hopefully when they're ready for, when they're, when you promote them, they step into a position instead of up to a position. Exactly. It gives them already that understanding of, of how it all works. And they, they know already, and you've already seen their leadership characteristics in the way they're executing the tasks. Yeah. So how does that help with persuasion? So I'm, I'm trying to convince somebody, not convince, like, and again, I, I know we have to say this because we have new listeners all the time. We're not talking about manipulation here, but we're talking about presenting a perspective in such a way that people are as open as they can be to receiving. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, the uh, what, did, what did George J. Thompson said in his book, he calls it uh, voluntary compliance. He comes from a from a from a 
police background, but it's getting people saying things in a way that people want to jump on board, that they see the value and they want to jump in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and I can see that in delegation here, put the cuffs on. Um, <laughs> here, put this on. <laughs> I have a nice orange jumpsuit. Would you like to wear it? <laughs> These chains are great for the weight bearing that you get your, as you walk. Yeah, but but seriously, I mean, cops, especially uh, good cops, are really good at voluntary compliance in, in presenting, they need to interact with people in such a way. And sometimes these are, a lot of times, these are not good people, but they need to get them to comply because obviously the alternative, as, as we all know from uh, news over the last several years, is not good. And, you know, that's such a rare occasion. It really is. The, the news blows it out of proportion. Most cops are really good at getting people to comply and, and doing so voluntarily. So I think that's a great, great phrase. So. Yeah, his book, Verbal Judo, is fantastic as far as, again, like you said, building that that relational persuasion rather than the transactional persuasion. You know, getting somebody, getting voluntary compliance from people means they're on board and, and they don't feel like they've been manipulated. Uh, they understand the value of doing what you're asking them to do. Yeah. Now, conversely, and I say I shouldn't say conversely because that's actually completely the wrong word I mean there, but it filled in the gap there nicely. But we have we have sales professionals listening to us right now who are going, well, what about from the sales perspective? And, and I would submit, and I've done this myself. The more you can get your prospect to do, the more vested they are in the outcome the easier it's going to be for you to get them to do business with you. I mean, if you, if you picture where you have them do a bunch of homework and they do it for you and your, your um, competitor says, well, give me all the information. I'll make it easy for you. That investment of time to do it for you actually works in your favor. Well, and they feel more in control which is something that we need. One of the three basic emotional needs that people have if they, if we want them to get on board with us from an influence standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be their idea. I mean, that's why, you know, and this goes back, I, I to me, I credit it to Tommy Hopkins, but it, who knows who said this first, you know? Um, but, you know, if you say it, then it's not true. But if you get them to say it, it is, right? And, and that's really what we're talking about. So- And you're, yeah, and you're empowering them with the information, with that knowledge, with where they can get it. Uh, it makes it a whole lot easier to clarify expectations too. So they know what the process is to get stuff done. Right. That's exactly right. And so, so delegation actually works from the, I had a sales manager once who, who used to say they, the, the prospect has to earn the next step. And we had a, we had a five-step sales process and, and a prospect had to earn the right to go to the next step. You didn't automatically give it to them. And you know, one of the ways we would do that is delegate certain tasks to them, like gathering information, collating the information, synthesizing the information and giving it to me in, in a, you know, uh, a digestible format, you know. Is that kind of like needs assessment type of information? That's exactly what it is, okay. right? Because it reveals to them maybe some underlying issues that they may not have been uh, aware of. Mm. And then them giving it to us established a level of trust. Mm -hmm. Right. And a level of expertise, because most of my competitors weren't asking for the information uh, or if they were, 
they were get, asking for the raw data and then reporting back. And since it was not the prospect coming up with the information, it was suspect. Right. Well, and it shows that you care about them, which is another key point to influence. It shows you care about their business. You're not just selling, you know, the product as it comes. You're looking at what do you need so that I can give you the tailor the uh, the product. Yeah. So what are the biggest mistakes you see when uh, people are trying to delegate? I think so often if we're uncomfortable asking people to do things or putting more on somebody else's plate, we try to go through it quickly and tend to leave out information. Um, Mm. So it's really important to clarify what information do they need, whether you're in a sales situation with your customer or whether you're in a leadership position, what information do they need to be successful in completing the task? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I have an acronym I use when I'm going through delegation. You need to be on mission. Okay. And and the M actually stands for mission completion. In other words, what does success look like? Mm-hmm. Right. If at the end of the day, what's it look like? And so, you know, let people know. You know. Right. Especially when you're dealing with staff. People want to do well. And if you leave them with like, what the heck is he asking for here? It's it's just a yucky feeling as you're going into it. Like, I'm not quite sure what I'm trying to do. Right. So, I mean, if you can show them prior results, maybe of a similar project, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe it's the type of thing that gets done year over year, but obviously it's new data. And so, you know, here's last year's report or the year before its report. Uh, you know, I remember when I was in this service, um, my second deployment, I was tasked with uh, developing a uh, force protection tactic versus doing an exercise. And it was a scenario we had never worked before. And and uh, so in that particular instance, I didn't have old stuff to rely on. Mm-hmm. And, and normally, I don't want to get too in the weeds here. But, you know, normally you have a threat coming from a defined sector. This was a 360. We were we were potentially at risk from 360 degrees. So how do we protect the battle group from all around? We can't just put all the fighter aircraft in one piece in the sky and go. They're going to come from the east. Right. So how do we do it with the assets we had? And so that, you know, success looked like for us, it looked like no uh, enemy aircraft. And again, this was exercise. But, you know, we still had the Air Force was playing bad guys on this. No enemy aircraft would make it within a certain radius of the battle group mm-hmm. without us detecting them and mm-hmm. prosecuting them, being able to be in a position to prosecute that that attack. So, right, B, M, that's that's what the M stands for. Now, the I is actually, and you you just talked about this. You just said that include the resources available. Ah. So, what did you okay. mean by that when you when you, you talked about that? Well, I mean, it's part of saying what success looks like. Sometimes that's a template. Sometimes it's meeting with other people. Sometimes it's a form they need to fill out um, or a report that needs to be completed. But being super clear about what's available to them in order to complete this successfully is really important. Because, again, you're not leaving them on an island to figure it out themselves. Right. Where's the information located? Mm-hmm. 
in my case, there were things I had never done before. I had to figure out how to get the right aircraft mix on the flight deck. It was different than our normal aircraft mix, which means elevator runs, which I didn't know. I just thought, you know, you you know, you know, watch the movies. They, they stand on the big elevator for one person goes up anytime willy nilly. It's not quite the way it works out there, you know. <laughs> um, and then, you know, weapons loads and all that sort of departments on the aircraft carrier that I had never interfaced or worked with directly before. I had to become aware of those, made aware of those, and then dealt with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's, and again, introductions may be part of that resource. You know, part of that resource may also be permissions. You know, who are you talking to? What are you allowed to do? Where are you allowed to make decisions? Or where do I need you to make decisions? And where should you come to me if you have questions is another resource that you should be discussing. Right. The trap in all this, however, is we start to tell people exactly how to yes, do it. Yes, yes. Right. And you know, I, I tell my clients all the time, there's more than one right way to do something. As long as it's a right way, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be your right way. And that's one of the keys to knowing your mission completion goal is saying, does their way still get us there? And if so, it's a better way because they're actually going to execute it and they're going to be a whole lot more bought in if they're doing it their way rather than me telling them how to do it. Exactly. And maybe their way really is better if you give it a chance and you realize that they're skipping steps that you were doing needlessly. Who knows? Right. It's that death grip on control, Dave, that everybody loves so much. Exactly. Which brings (laughs) us to the middle S's in mission, which is suggest sparingly. Mm. Yep. Yep. Let them, if they know how to do it, it's, it's again, this, I said that having some control was one of the three basic emotional needs. The second one is making them feel valued. And by telling somebody what to do, we're saying, Dave, you're an idiot. And I'm pretty sure you don't know how to do this. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you step by step. And you're like, oh, honey, I've done this for 20 years, you know? And so making them feel valued saying, I trust you. You know, a lot of this stuff. Um, I don't need to tell you how to do this. I don't need to micromanage you. So that brings up a really good question though, is what if you they don't know how to do it or they, you see them going off in a direction that, you know, is that I don't mean like, Oh, we've never been there before, but this might work out. But I mean like, Oh, that's a, we've been there and this won't work out or whatever it might be. You know, they're, they're just going, something is missed. Well, and, and in the delegation process, if you suspect that might be the case and they don't know what, I always like to ask a bunch of questions. How do you think you're going to do this? What are your first steps? So you can get an idea of their thinking and uh, and get an idea of the direction they think they're going to go, and then you can nip it in the bud. <laughs> right. Well, and there's another piece too, right, which is the next I, by the way, in mission, Ooh. which is inter- intermediate checkpoints, right? Don't sign it yes. to say, come and see me when you're done. I mean, some things you could do that if it's a two-hour task. But, you know, like, again, in my case, maybe it's a product rollout, something really big. Mm-hmm. Right? You want to check in. You don't want to find out at the end of the, at the end of a four week process that they went off completely off tangent. You're, you know, what's what's that TV show uh, with uh, Marcus Lemotis, um, uh, um, the Prophet? Oh yeah, right. And, and so Marcus will assign them something. You know, remerchandise your, you, you know, or something like that. And he comes back three weeks later, and it's not even close to done. Right now, some of that's TV. I doubt very much. If in real life, Marcus would say that detached, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he might, he might, but 
but that does that's not a good idea right right and the and the way i always set it up when i'm delegating is like Everybody has a different definition of micromanagement and you're never going to (laughs) know what somebody's definition is. And so the way to kind of skirt that I've found is to create a check-in schedule, you know, asking, Hey, I want to check in, make sure everything's going well. How often do you think would be appropriate considering this is a six month schedule or whatever. And if they say something that's way too far apart, you can say, well, I'd love to have a little oversight. Just make sure you're getting off, you know, to on the right foot. Let's do it more frequently. Or if they're like, oh my gosh, check in with me every day. You can be like, you know what? I think you're stronger than that. Let's go two or three days and then maybe we can spread it out. But you can have that conversation and agree on the check-ins. Absolutely. Which by the way, you should be doing that with everything. Ask them, first, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think it's going to take? And I've had that, that very scenario has happened to me countless times where they've gone like b- both of them, either they go, Oh, it's going to take me five years to do it. And you're like, no, I think you could get that done in a week, mm-hmm. you know? And then conversely, I'll, I'll have it to you tonight. You're like, Whoa, 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 <laughs> slow down. You know, you've got other things you need to do that are equally as important. Plus I need this done. Right. Give it to me in two weeks or whatever, whatever that might be. Right. Mm-hmm. Give them a chance first, because that's another way we can test to see what their thinking process is. Part of delegating is to see how they think. Yeah, it should be a conversation because it's an opportunity not only for professional development, but to get to know your team, get to know what makes them tick, make them feel valued. It's such a great opportunity for so many connection points that if it's a lecture, it's not going to work. Yeah, it's got to be a conversation. And then to your point earlier, when you have those intermediate meetings, let's make sure that. There's a ghost in your house. Well, folks, (laughs) the NSA or Alexa is listening. (laughs) And no, I am not being paranoid. Um, At any rate. Can you turn down her hearing aid? Uh, I just turned off her hearing aid. Okay. <laughs> yes. I, I, I wish I could make her wake word grandma. That would be perfect. Uh, that would but, be awesome. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. Um, do, so during those meetings, and this was your point, be Socratic. Mm-hmm. Reveal their thinking. Don't dictate it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So where, where are we on, on spelling of my word mission? You are at M-I-S-S-I. I need an O and an N. Right. So the O is one final check, right? Mm. You got all these intermediate checkpoints before you roll it out. Go over it soup to nuts. That's your last chance to fix anything, right? And, uh, you know, that if you've done the intermediate checkpoints right, that really should be a, a pro forma, you know, meeting, but don't shortchange it. Mm-hmm. Just like a performance evaluation should be a review of everything you've done. That final review is a review of everything you've done and just that final check. Right. And no surprises. Yeah. No surprises. Yeah. And then the end, I have to tell you, I cheated because I couldn't come up with a good end. So it's the second letter of the word analyze. Analyze. Don't forget your after action review. Uh, Yeah. Roll it out. See what went right, what went wrong. Do a debrief. Make sure that they know where they were strong, where they were uh, needed improvement, right? And uh, provide those resources for growth for. 
You know, it's such an important piece that we so often leave out is that debrief afterwards because we we move on. We're busy. We move on. If we're frustrated with it, we don't want to deal with it. You know, if we're happy with it, it's like, ah, okay, good. You know, but we don't take the time not only to debrief on the lessons, debrief on what went well, what would you do differently next time, but also appreciate and acknowledge saying thank you, saying, I know you worked hard on this and I really appreciate it, even if it didn't come out the way you had hoped. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, you know, a lot of things come out of that Let's, on the leadership side. Well, well, I want to circle back to sales in a minute, but on the leadership side, you may, you may find yourself in a position where you're going, you know, I want this person to, um, I, I think they're the right person for this next promotion. However, and they're weak here. And so I'm going to bolster them by maybe giving them a, an assistant who is stronger in that area. It helps you with your you know, personnel matters from that perspective, putting together teams that are more effective because you can strengthen each other up. But if you don't do the after action review, you've missed, you've missed an opportunity to really come to grips and potentially that person will go, oh, I can fix that, right? Mm-hmm. And then strengthen themselves, which gives you another data point if that's what their attitude is, right? Yeah, right. And if they have that great attitude, that's indicative a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, folks, if you're listening to this, you go, okay, great. But how do I do this in sales? This is, you know, the most important thing about sales is that, and, well, leadership in general as well, but it's, it's that relationship. And if your prospect is unwilling to do a little work for you, that tells you where that relationship is. If they're willing to do some work for you, that also tells you where that relationship is. And well, and it tells you how much they're interested in, uh, and and what's the word, um, committed to the relationship, to the sales relationship, and to your what you offer, and and your and their level of trust about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether they think it's worth doing the work. Right. So where you may not be able to say, "I'm going to meet with you once a week," to tell you, because it's probably not going to take that long to get it, right? But you you can say, "Can I check in with you?" You know, when do you think you're going to have it? Can I check in with you to make sure it's there? Can we sit down and review the data together before I put together my proposal, right? It's another touch point. So you can still do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and I think it's really important to be really clear about what you need, especially in the sales, um, the, going to that mission completion piece, especially in the sales area, it's so important that they understand what you need. So you're not an additional frustration point for them. Right. However, we do want to make sure we're talking in how they benefit by doing this. Right. Right. It's not about you. It's not to make your life easier. And by the way, that's something that we forgot to mention in the beginning. The other problem I see, and this is more in business leadership, but it, obviously it plays to sales too, because I just brought it up with delegation is people do it for the wrong reasons. Mm. Right. It's it's not it, it's not to lighten your load. Right. Right. It's to give you time to do more important things. And by the way, folks, playing golf is not more important. <laughs> it's a lot more fun, but it's not more important. No, it's true. A lot of times, you know, people th- don't delegate because they think, oh, I don't want to dump my work on somebody else. Well, you know, you have collected a certain set of skills and a certain level of responsibility, free up your time to do those things. Yeah. We spend a lot of time as, as managers in business, um, 
babysitting. Let's just call it what it is sometimes. And if we built our teams right, that doesn't happen. You have you know really high performing teams that know what they need to do. But this is part of doing that. And it's part of that team development. And you have a responsibility to groom people for advancement. And that's what keeps them high performing. If you don't, they're going to look for it elsewhere. Yeah. And from a sales perspective, delegating that to that that person, you know, you may be able to dig up that information through lots of research that takes you hours and hours. Your client might be able to come up with that information really quickly. And so that frees you up to plan your pitch or create your, you know, your um, proposal or whatever. It, again, frees you up for that higher order activity. We're seeing a different client and, you know, keeping your pipeline filled. Right. So, yeah, it, it, the, the the more you can get them to do willingly, the more likely they're going to do business with you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, exactly. The easier you make it, the more they're going to want to stick around. And it's interesting. You use the mission uh, acronym. I use a who, what, when, why, how. And it's almost exactly the same. It's exactly the same steps just in that, in that framework. Well, no, mine's the right way. Yours isn't the right way. Mine's the wrong way, Dave, and yours is better. I love you. That's why you're here, right? But I mean, that's a perfect example of, of there's more than one right way to do it. Right. That is a perfect example. There's more than one right way to do it. And that works just as well. And as long as it works, folks, if you've got something different, you know, but if you have nothing, you now got two. Right. You came in here twice as rich as we're leaving twice as rich as when you came here. This is the best podcast ever, Dave. I don't think there's ever been one better. So we should probably just end it right here. Let's cut our losses. You take it, take your trophy and go home. <laughs> we get, I get a trophy for this, right? Yeah. Participation trophy. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No worries. All right. And well, this has been great. And um, we'll uh, see you again next week. Yes. I look forward to it. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com. Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.